Be encouraged. Welcome to a podcast centered around being encouraged, being an encouragement to someone, and being in courage, replacing fear with unwavering trust. I hope you are encouraged today by a message from Michelle Reynolds. No matter what phase you are in in life, you can be in courage in Christ. Hi, you guys. Welcome back. Um, I'm really excited about recording this podcast this morning. It's been a while since I've actually shared a message. So I was looking forward this morning when God laid this message on my heart to share. Um, So let's go ahead and jump right in. We're going to pray and then we'll talk. Father God, thank you so much for conviction. Thank you for growth and just thank you for being a faithful God that you are. I pray that as we get ready to go through this message, you will speak through me, Father God, and you would allow your people to hear from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so before we get into scripture, I kind of want to give you the background about how this uh, revelation came to me. May 31st, I started a new semester, a summer semester. And before the semester started, I went, I researched the syllabus for the classes that I knew I was going to be taking found out what books I needed, ordered them in advance through Amazon. Um, One of them was very expensive, so I opted to rent the book versus purchasing it. And I was excited to get the books in before the classes started. So that way, when assignments were ready to roll out, I was already ahead of the game. Great, the semester started on the 31st. I opened up my book, started preparing and reading. The following Monday, I was going to have a quiz. Well, during this time, my dryer stopped working and I wasn't concerned about the dryer. We have home warranties. I was just like, whatever, we'll get it replaced. No big deal. I don't mind going to the washeteria. I always grew up going to the washeteria. Not only that, but I can wash six loads of clothes all at the same time and dry them. Saves me a lot of time, you know, so I wasn't really concerned about that. Went started washing clothes. I had been doing this probably like a week or so. So this particular night, I decided that I would bring my book. And as I was sitting there waiting, I left the kids, my husband, you know, all my, all my kids were home. And I was like, well, this is a good quiet time for me to study and prepare for my test on Monday. I did just that. I sat there, I was reading, I was highlighting. Everything was going smooth, it was fine. Afterwards, I folded clothes, put everything away, packed up all the things that I had there with me, went home. The next day, just in the house, not thinking nothing of it. When I went to go and look for my book again, I couldn't find it. And I instantly went into panic mode. I instantly started to say, oh my goodness, where where is this book? For one, it was the book that I had rented. So not only that, but remember I had my test on Monday. So I began frantically looking through the house for the book, couldn't find it. Went looked in the car for the book, couldn't find it. I called to the store that's connected to the washeteria. And I say, hey, can you please go and look and see if someone left a white book with three little birds on it? Interpersonal communication. (laughs) She says, hold on a second. I'll run over there and I'll go and see. She goes next door. I stay on hold. She comes back and say, I'm sorry, ma'am, but there's no book there. And I was like, okay. Well, I knew, I just knew that I left the book there. You know, I was just like, I know I had it here last night. That was the last place I had it. I jump in my car, panicking, 
driving to go to the washeteria. I walked into the store. I was like, hey, are you sure that someone from the other shift didn't clean up and put it somewhere else? You know, they began looking behind the register. Nothing. Couldn't find it. I said, okay, go back in there. I dig through the trash can inside the washeteria. They had already entered the trash. So my next step was to go outside to the dumpster. I pulled out every bag that was threw in there from the nights before trash or the day of trash. I flipped out every bag, flipped over every box in the dumpster, and I had my son with me. And people were just looking at me like, why is she dumpster diving? What is she looking in that dumpster for? But I was so concerned about finding my book that it didn't matter to me what other people thought about me digging in a dumpster. My search was in vain. I did not find the book in the dumpster. I go home, get on the phone with my girlfriend. And I'm telling her, hey, you know, I'm, I'm kind of stressed out about this. I need this book. I don't want to have to pay for the cost of the rental being lost, the cost of purchasing another book, and then not being able to prepare for my test on Monday. So like I was thinking the worst like i was worst case scenario we have a church prayer group app you know where we all just kind of share information and prayer requests so i instantly jumped on that group and i was like y'all i'm stressed i really need y'all to pray for me this is the situation right after i post that message i log on to facebook and two classmates of mine their son was missing and i felt kind of embarrassed at how frantic I was over my book and I could only imagine how they were feeling feeling as parents for their son to be missing. So I got back on that group and I was like, hey, look, I have another prayer request. Urgently pray for my classmates and the fact that their, their child is missing. So even though my book was important to me, it kind of, it seemed insignificant compared to a child being lost to that that parent who was anxiously awaiting to find out if people were going to find her son. Like, I just couldn't even imagine. I I got a small portion of what that felt like behind my book, but I really didn't understand the significance of my child being missing. Um, I began praying for this, this family and praying for this child, that this child would be returned safely. And then soon after, my daughter comes walking out of the room with and she was just like mama is this the book you were looking for the whole entire time that i was frantically and panicking about my book it was in a basket of clothes that i folded up and put into my daughter's room and a part of me was so embarrassed and ashamed to go back to my friends on well not so much to my friend because i talked to her you know i was on the phone with her when my daughter walked in with the book but a part of me was embarrassed to go to the group me where I had asked for prayer to say, hey, I had the book the entire time. Later on, I realized why I was embarrassed. And I'll kind of go into that when we get in the scripture. But a part of it was being righteous. I was, I was being a Pharisee. Again, I found out that the small child was found. So in between me losing my book and finding it, this child going missing and him being found. We shared that news with the group me who had been praying and everybody was rejoicing. Everybody was excited. And in that moment, God reminded me of the Bible verses in Luke 15, which talk about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and 
the lost son. So that's where the title of this podcast today comes from, The Lost Book, because God taught me a valuable lesson. Even though I knew this story, even though I've heard these stories and I value them, the significance of it wasn't revealed to me until that day, until God showed me what it means to urgently look for something like you really, really value something and you urgently look for it. And then when you find it, there's a time of rejoicing. So um, we're going to go ahead and get into the scripture. And then I want to kind of connect back to you all what God showed me through reading this after I had experienced what I experienced. It's Luke chapter 15. And I'm going to start with verse 1. And I think I'm only going to go through verses 1 through 10. We all know the story of the prodigal son. And there's a lot of great information in there too. But for the purpose of this podcast, we're only going to focus on the parable about the lost sheep and the lost coin. Verse 1 says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. One thing that I've learned in Bible study is that when you see a word that connects back to something before, you need to go back and see what it's connecting to. So when I saw now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around Jesus to hear Jesus. Okay, now what? What happened before this now? So I flipped back and I read all of Luke chapter 14. What I learned in that was Jesus was having dinner or supper with a prominent Pharisee, with somebody who was a top religious leader, they were having dinner in his home and there was a guy there who was ill. He had swollen limbs. You, he was in need of healing. And Jesus asked the Pharisees, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Because the Pharisees had all these different religious rules, these religious boundaries that made them stand out compared to everybody else who was following Jesus. And Jesus asked them, is it religious? I mean, is it lawful to heal on a Sabbath? If, is it more important to be concerned about others than what it is to follow the religious law? And those Pharisees didn't answer him. So, and then it goes on to Jesus teaching about people who seek honor. When you walk to a banquet, when you go to a table, you should take the the humble places versus exalting yourselves because scripture teaches us those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then it goes on and Jesus starts to talk about how he gives, he teaches the parable of the great feast where the banquet host or the feast host goes out and invites all of his friends and, you know, people who are well off and they turn down his invitation. They come up with many excuses about why they can't attend the banquet. So the great host goes out and invites the blind, the lame, the cripple, all the people who are poor to the banquet. And then when those people come, there's more room for people, for others to come. And I'm, I'm sure that you can see the many different parallels to different people rejecting Christ, those who are righteous and who felt like they were above being at the banquet and those like, but who we would consider as the outcasts, the ones who are beneath. Then there is the story or Jesus is teaching about counting the cost of what it means to be in relationship with Christ. Okay. So all of this is happening before 
we get to the parable of the lost sheep. And then now I want to go ahead and finish reading verses 2-7. And it says, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Now, before I go into detail about that, I need to go back and connect what God convicted me about with the Pharisees. So remember in my story, I told you how I shared the information on the group me, but when I, when my daughter came in with the book, I was embarrassed and actually waited to share that the book was found on group me, but I never said where the book was found and how the book was found. I never told that I had the book the entire time. And what God convicted me and showed me was I was so busy wanting to be a Pharisee, a religious example, a Christian example that I didn't want to seem foolish because I had lost the book and it was right there under my nose and I was panicked about it. So instead of being completely open and honest about it, I, I hid that. And it wasn't until after I read about the Pharisees that God connected and convicted me about my behavior because I did the next day, I believe I did get on the group me and say, hey, thank y'all for always praying for me. My book was found, but I never explained the details of me finding my book. And it was a it was an eye opener for me and I, and honestly I had to go to God and repent and say Lord forgive me you know I don't want to be a Pharisee but it's so easy for us to get caught up in the religious idea of what it means to be a good Christian that we are willing that I am willing at times to portray an image that is false in order to seem like I'm someone that I'm not. And it took for God to really show me that for me to realize the error. And I thank God for showing me that, you know, I thank God that he brought me to this place where I can come and tell someone else, Hey, it's okay for God to convict us of things that we're doing wrong because that's how we grow. That's how we become more like Christ. That's how we conform and be transformed more into the image of God. And I'm glad that he convicted me of that because now I know to be on guard. Now I know to be alert and aware of even myself, not just of the enemy, because it's so easy for us to put the blame on the enemy. When in fact, we have to take responsibility for some of the things that we do too. Granted, temptation is real. Yes, the enemy is real, but so are our own intentions. Okay, so back to verses one through seven. A lot of people may consider the shepherd in this parable to be foolish, for leaving the 100 well leaving the 99 to go after one but one thing i realized in reading this parable is that the shepherd is a wise man he understood that the 99 were safe in the sheepfold it was the one that was left 
It was the one that was lost, that was in danger. And I thought about that in comparison to my book. I have a bookshelf. I have several bookshelves full of books. But I was panicked about that one book because there was something different about that book. That was the book that I needed right now. That book had more value to me than the hundreds of books that I have and within my reach. So no matter how many books I already have, it's that one that was lost that had the greatest value to me in that moment. And I, I think about that in comparison to people and how those of us who are saved, I see now why we should rejoice when a sinner comes home. It is one thing to stand up in church and applaud and say, yes, I'm so glad that person became saved. But it's a difference when you understand and you are joyful when that person walks down because you get the value. You get to see the understanding of who that person is to God. And then you can rejoice along with the angels and God about that person being returned home. Go ahead and go to verses eight through 10. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost, my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. One thing I learned about studying this parable is that most Palestine women will receive 10 coins as a wedding gift. And those coins not only had value in themselves, but they had sentimental value. So basically it was like our present day wedding ring it was their way of signifying that they were married and that was their gift and of course that's just like my wedding ring if i if i lose it i'm going to be frantic about it i'm going to want to know where it is i want to know what happened to it because it has value to me and what this parable is teaching us again is the same thing we should rejoice when the lost are found and I get that now. Like, even though I knew that, now it's heart knowledge. Now it's something that personally connects to me. I'm going to forever think about what it means to lose something and to find it. You know, and I know that there are going to be other times in my life, but it was this time because I've lost my keys and been frantic about looking for them. I've lost other things and, and been urgently searching for them. But it was this moment that God revealed to me truth that I didn't really understand before. I want to ask you, do you rejoice when the loss is found? Is it important to you? Do you see the value in a sinner coming home or do you just have the head knowledge from Luke 15? And I pray that you, if you don't have that desire to rejoice and praise God when a sinner comes home, or you don't see the value in spending time with sinners and you, you kind of have this self-righteous indignation like I had, I pray that you ask God to remove that from you and that you would help him, ask him to help you have a heart 
that is sincere and desires to rejoice when people come to him. I pray that you got something out of this message. That's all I have today. So I want to go ahead and pray and then uh, that's going to be it. So Father God, thank you. Thank you for your word. And Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit that works in our lives. Lord, I pray that you will remove any religious boundaries that I may have that's keeping me from wholeheartedly loving you and worshiping you. Lord, I thank you for revealing to me what it means to lose something and urgently search after it. And Lord, thank you for showing me the connection between those things and a lost person. I pray that you would help me to continue to know the value of what it means to draw sinners into you so that way you can transform them, Father God, and the angels in heaven can rejoice. Lord, I just thank you again for being who you are. And I just pray that for every person that hears this message, Father God, you will work in their lives. You will use your Holy Spirit to convict and transform them like only you can. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you today. Please share and come back next week for another episode of Be Encouraged.